Thanks for joining us for the weekend edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Each Friday and Saturday here on In Spirit and Truth, Pastor J.D. gives a Mideast prophecy update from an Arab perspective as he connects the dots of current events geopolitically with last day's prophecies biblically. It is our belief that the next event on God's prophetic clock is the rapture of the Church of Jesus Christ. It is our hope that these Bible prophecy updates will not only ready you and steady you for His return, but that they will also encourage you to share the gospel with others in order that the rapture will not be as a thief in the night. So much of our world is in turmoil, yet things here in the United States seem to be going fairly well. The economy has picked up. The overall picture of the future looks good. There is a lot to be thankful for. Perhaps things are eerily too good. Pastor J.D. will remind us that just before the return of Christ, things will be, well, just like they are right now. Well, don't forget to stay with us after today's Prophecy Update to learn how you can become a Facebook friend or watch the weekly Prophecy Update on YouTube. Now here's Pastor J.D. with today's Prophecy Update, as shared on January 6th, 2019. I want to answer a question. It's a question actually that is asked often, and it has to do with this prophecy that we've been talking a lot about in Ezekiel chapter 38. And specifically, as it relates to the nations that are listed there in that prophecy. Because Ezekiel's prophecy lists them by their ancient names, there's been much in the way of speculation as to who these modern day nations actually are. So what I want to do, we've done this before, but it's been a while, but it's my hope that at the conclusion of today's update, we'll all have a better understanding of who they are, and more importantly, we'll also have a better understanding of why this particular prophecy in Ezekiel 38 matters so much to us today, and it does. So we'll tackle that shortly. In the interest of time, we're not going to take the time to read Ezekiel 38, but we do need to take the time to revisit the modern day nations that are listed in it. First though, I want to draw your attention in yellow to the countries that are conspicuously absent from the Ezekiel 38 prophecy, which to me are more telling in some ways than the nations that are listed there in the prophecy. They include Syria, notably, Iraq, Egypt, Jordan, Lebanon, my birthplace, and perhaps even more notably Saudi Arabia, who is mentioned in verse 13 with some specificity as it relates to the protest against this alliance of nations that launches this invasion and attacks Israel for the purpose of taking what Israel has, namely the natural gas, the oil, 
the resources, the prosperity, the technology at all, all of which are present today in Israel. Israel's very prosperous. And make no mistake about it, Russia in particular, which we're going to talk about here, Russia in particular is, you'll forgive the, uh, you know, illustration, but they're foaming at the mouth to get what Israel has. Their very survival depends upon it economically and specifically as it relates to the oil and the natural gas. So in yellow we have those that are absent from the list and then in white we have those that are involved in this invasion of Israel and they include chiefly Russia. First and foremost, Russia. And then with Russia, Persia, Iran. By the way, it wasn't until the last century, uh, in less than uh, probably 80, 90 years, that uh, the name of Persia was changed to Iran. Persia, Iran. And then Turkey, who just this last year, began to have a pronounced presence in Syria, aligning themselves with Russia and Iran. So Russia, Iran, Turkey. What about Libya? Okay. Sudan, Ethiopia, and I'll add Yemen. Now please understand that in that time, this is over 2,500 years ago, that Ezekiel penned this prophecy, and the the boundaries of those ancient nations were not the same as what we have today. You cannot really, and this makes sense, right? You cannot take a, a map from back then and superimpose it on a map today and find that all of these are easily identified. So these are regions, these are areas. So generally speaking, it would encompass these countries. And in addition to Russia, Iran, Turkey, Libya, Sudan, Ethiopia, Yemen, also what I will refer to as the region known as the Stands, i.e. Afghanistan. So all of this area, we're told in Ezekiel 38, will come together and ally together, and via Syria from the north, God himself will put a hook in the jaw and bring them against his people. So to the aforementioned question of whether or not these nations are today allied together, I would submit and argue that, in fact, they are. And if you'll hear me out, I'll present that argument. I'll start with this report from Gulf News concerning Libya. According to the report, Russia's role in Libya is more nuanced than it seems. Listen to some of what the report had to say. This is 
from December last month. But in October of 2018, British intelligence services reportedly warned Prime Minister Theresa May that Russia was moving troops and missiles into Libya, saying President Vladimir Putin wanted to make Libya, quote, his new Syria. Wow. It was also claimed that by having a military foothold in the North African country, Putin wants to impose a stranglehold on the Western powers. What do you mean? Listen to this. It is no secret that Russia has shown a willingness to play a greater role in post-Gaddafi Libya. Moscow's political and economic links with Tripoli are historical until the 2011 revolution that toppled Muammar Gaddafi's regime. Russia, listen to this, sold arms worth billions with a B to Libya and its state oil companies were deeply involved with their Libyan counterparts. That's Ezekiel 38. That's why Libya is mentioned by their ancient name. What about Sudan? Well, this Middle East Monitor report says that Russia and Sudan are looking to develop military cooperation. Uh, by the way, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, this recent visit of Sudanese President Omar al-Bashir to Syria. It's believed that it was in response to Russia's President Vladimir Putin, who according to the report was hailed by al-Bashir for encouraging shifts in defense technology and military cooperation. Quote, we see big changes between specialists in Russia and Sudan, he told Putin. A large number of Russian specialists work in our country, and this is why we praise highly the role that your country, speaking of Putin, plays in preparing Sudanese military personnel. The article goes on to say, listen to this, the government in Khartoum hopes to enhance Russian investments in Sudan, especially in the gold, oil, oil, and gas, gas fields, and to use the income to end world poverty. No, that's not what they want to use the income for. Just want to make sure you're still with me. You know what they want to use the income for? To fund the modernization of Sudan's army's weapons. Oh. Hmm. Let's talk about Ethiopia. All Africa News reported about how Ethiopia and Russia are entering a new frontier. According to reports from a number of reputable sources, Ethiopia and Russia have reached an agreement to develop nuclear energy collaboratively. 
Ethiopia recently resumed daily flights to Moscow, and as they embrace nuclear, nuclear, (laughs) as a new form of power generation, yeah, right, you and Iran, (laughs) the Ethiopia-Russia love affair shows no signs of slowing down anytime soon. You know, I've mentioned this before, and I'll just mention it parenthetically again, very briefly, but what are just the statistical probabilities mathematically of all of these nations today being allied together as they are exactly as we were told they would be over 2,500 years ago? And oh, by the way, for those of you who are into that, and by the way, I love you. (laughs) I don't know how you're able to do that. Uh, If I try to do that, it makes what little hair I have on my head hurt. So that's a gift. But for those of you that are into that, you need to factor in this, that even two years ago, let's say even 18 months ago, they were not as they are today. I say that to say this, wouldn't it stand a reason, again, just by reason of statistical probabilities, wouldn't it stand a reason that so too would they not also still be aligned even in a couple of years from now, as fast as everything changes? Well, let's talk about Yemen and Iran with them. And we'll look at this Washington Examiner report. The headline was, quote, Russia's support for Iran's proxy war in Yemen is further proof it's enemy number one. Let me quote, the Russians have done it again. They have castrated the United Nations and reduced the organization to irrelevance in exactly the type of situation it was created for. I would beg to differ that it wasn't Russia. It's, they, they did it all by themselves. <laughs> Russia, still quoting, defied the U.S. and ten other states at the U.N. Security Council in vetoing a resolution that would have held Iran accountable for its proxy war in Yemen. Why is it, pray tell, that every time somebody says something about Iran, Russia's right there to say, stop! Oh, didn't you know that for many, many years now, Russia and Iran have had a mutual defense treaty So they will come to each other's defense, no matter what. And this, to me, creates the perfect storm that is Ezekiel 38. It's my belief that not only are all the Ezekiel 38 nations in alignment today, but it's just a matter of time before that hook in the jaw, brings them into Israel from the north by way of Syria, subsequent to 
the destruction of Damascus, Syria, explaining the absence of Syria. Here's why all of this matters, and here's why it is that we're really focusing our attention as of late on this prophecy in particular. Maybe I can say it this way. This is the prophecy that is in play today. The Word of God tells us with detail who they are, who the players are, who's on the field, where the goalposts are, what the purpose is, what the end game is. The Word of God tells us what the world will look like prior to the Lord's return, and I would submit that all of the signs point to this time. We're witnessing it right before our very eyes, and it's happening at breakneck speed. And this is why it matters. God doesn't want us to be ignorant when it comes to the end times. Why? Because He's coming, and He wants us to be ready. That's the purpose. He doesn't want for us to, when He returns, have it be as a thief in the night, so we're not expecting it. He wants us ready and watching for His return. And He says, this is what it's going to look like right before I come back. I'll tell you, Jesus said, John 14, 29. I'm going to tell you what's going to happen before it happens. So when it happens, (laughs) you will believe that I am the I am. In other words, I'm going to tell you in my word what's going to happen yet future. And here's why I'm going to do that. So when, not if, you start looking around and you say, whoa, wait a minute. He said this was going to happen. He said that Russia, Iran, Turkey, et al. would all be aligned together in, of all places, Syria, and that they would invade Israel, who will be very prosperous at the time that they do. He told us before (laughs) that this would happen, and now it's happening? You've got my attention. Speak, Lord. Your servant's listening. It's incumbent upon every single one of us to interpret the signs, understand the times, and more importantly, know what we're to do. In Matthew's Gospel, the 16th chapter, we have an interesting confrontation that took place with the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They had come to kind of trap Jesus and test Him and ask Him a question, as they would often do. (laughs) What they didn't know, what they should have known is, 
This is God incarnate, and He is reading their mind. (laughs) He knows what they're going to ask Him before they even ask Him. So this time, they ask Him, Show us a sign from heaven. Ah, we got him now. This is his answer. When it is evening, you say, it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be stormy today, for the sky is red and threatening. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky? but you cannot interpret the signs of the times. He was right there standing before them in His first coming. And now we're on the cusp of the rapture of the church and then the second coming. There's an interesting reference in First Chronicles chapter 12, verse 32, concerning the sons of Issachar. They not only interpreted the signs, but they also understood the times that they were living in, and more notable, they also knew, were told, what Israel ought to do. They knew, based on the understanding of the times they were living in, the interpreting of the signs at the time, they knew what Israel ought to do. Is that not the question for us today? Do we really understand the times? And if we do, and we know how to interpret the signs, Do we know what we ought to do? The Apostle Paul, writing to the Romans, gives us the answer as to what it is that we ought to do. He says this, Romans 13, verse 11, Do this. This is what you ought to do. Understanding the present time. Do this. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber. Why? Because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So here's what we need to do. Put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. By the way, he's talking to the church. This is to the church in Rome. Instead, don't do that. Instead, do this. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. Are you ready? If not, you need to be ready because our redemption draws nigh. This is what Jesus said about seeing these prophecies begin to come to pass. In Luke chapter 21, verse 28, 
This verse speaks directly to the heart of the prophecy update that Pastor J.D. shares each Friday and Saturday here on In Spirit and Truth. The goal for each prophecy update is twofold. First, to equip you with information you need to live in these exciting last days. Second, to encourage you in your faith in the Creator of the universe. Every word in the Holy Bible is 100% true. We're seeing that fact being proven each and every day. We pray that you have been both blessed and challenged by today's Prophecy Update. And we do hope you join us again for tomorrow's conclusion to this Prophecy Update from Pastor J.D. Now, as I mentioned at the beginning of today's broadcast, you can become a Facebook friend with us by logging on to www.inspiritandtruthradio.com. We've provided a link to our Facebook page. Another great option to stay current with Pastor J.D.'s Prophecy Updates is to subscribe to the Aloha Bible Prophecy Update YouTube channel. The Prophecy Update YouTube channel has all the current updates that Pastor J.D. has shared as well as an archive of past updates. Again, log on to InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com and follow the link to the Prophecy Update YouTube channel. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Please join us tomorrow as Pastor J.D. concludes this Prophecy Update. That's next time on In Spirit and Truth.